uh, the Emerald Lane podcast, episode number 31, broadcasting live from Porto, Portugal. Just want to drop a couple songs on you, drop a couple thoughts. I'd like to issue a round of applause, a pat on the back to you as well for still being here. And we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you endured a war. This was... Uh, physical to be sure, but also it, this was the enemy was unseen. It was lurking around every corner. These are bombs being dropped in your mind, mind man, mind, in your dreams, waking up in cold sweats. I think I told you guys before I had COVID at the beginning of this whole opera. I can remember nights during the peak of hysteria, you know, waking up in the dead silence of dread in the night in Paris alone. I'd lost my taste and smell for a month, so obviously I had COVID. And I'm sitting there soaked, as fresh out of a bizarre nightmare, sitting on my bed in a, in a distant country alone at three in the morning, looking around thinking, am I going to die in Paris? What is going on, yo? yo, yo, yo. Anyway, we are here transformed. You know, the other day I was riding through, uh, you, let me just tell you once again, you must come visit Portugal. You know, if, you, if you're like me, the average American, you sit me in a chair and you ask me, what comes to mind when I ask you to think about the country Portugal? I would say, <laughs> I mean, zero. Nothing comes to mind, just a, uh, a little charming backwater wasteland country of, of uh, Western Europe. Vasco da Gama, the explorers, ships from the, uh, you know, the 15th century, slavery. Sad to say, that's, I'm just telling you the truth. But I tell you, man, it's so pristine here. And every, every now and then, you know, I, I like to explore my electric bike. And I went to a park that I always drove by on my Uber trips. Pristine, idyllic, bucolic. I mean, picture this, like a canopy of shade as far as you can see. Rivers and streams and, and fountains. Lovers sitting on benches. No graffiti. No sign of danger. No aggression anywhere. And I am just, I can't wrap my head around why everything is so clean. I'm just looking around, like looking for the catch. Where is the catch? Where is the dope fiend? Where is the danger lurking around the corner? Where is the attack coming from? This is too good to be true. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm biking through this park, I'm like, why have you people not fucked this place up yet? What is going on? And I'm so twisted as an American living in an ambience of crime and, and paranoia, violence, I'm riding on my bike and I'm looking at these people sitting down I, and I'm thinking to myself, get up, stand up and fuck this place up. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting, what is going on here with you people? Are you retarded? Have you got the message? We live on the planet earth. Tear this place up, why are you sitting here? Are you insane? Uh, it was the strangest thought, I mean, I. This is, I think it reflects more on me than it does on them. What kind of a sicko am I that I can't accept 
a healthy atmosphere that's safe. I'm, I'm biking through a park and I'm, and I'm bewildered. Please, what, what, bring on the danger and, and all of the drugs. Where are the thugs? Please. I need to normalize. This is too good to be true. I'm telling you, things in America, they can really make you a psychopath. But I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit here and beat up on America. Portugal, they never produced Jimi Hendrix or rock and roll music. Apple computer, McDonald's. I always say that to myself. I always remind myself when I start getting too high and mighty on my travels. When I start to disparage America as uh, the, the, the genesis of thuggery and uh, you know, unfairness. I always say to myself, like when I'm walking around Japan and everything's completely safe and clean and humane, respectful. Yeah, but Jimi Hendrix would never incarnate in Japan. It wouldn't happen. Rock and roll is only going to be birthed in a country like United States, baby. We are out of control. But every, every place can be improved upon. Travel is, is a very important thing for perspective. As much as you can, when you can get your money together, when you get your time together, step out of your frame of reference, your homeland, your city, your circle of friends, your habits, step out, deviate, deviate, deviate. And, and go wander in a distant land so that you can compare notes Shift your perspective. You'd be surprised. This is why they call travel taking a trip. You are literally taking a trip. It is mental drugs. And uh, you could also smoke a joint. I mean, that's what I tell people. That's if you can't travel. I mean, smoke. Smoke, 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 smoke. Every Sunday, I receive a newsletter, an email. These very interesting geek type of uh, people put together this list of novel websites that you can go to, books you can read, products you can buy. And they recommended a personality test put together by Ray Dalio. You know who Ray Dalio is? Interesting guy. You should research him. He's a billionaire hedge fund legend. Anyway, Ray Dalio puts together this personality test. I didn't have anything to do because on Sundays, I make a big effort to do nothing. I, I order a, a beautiful brunch, a lavish brunch from a cafe nearby, and I stay in pajamas all day. I load up this personality test. They warn you. It does require a, a, a bit of a time investment. I mean, it, it's a good 20 minutes where you're going to be answering questions, and you really got to be paying attention. You start getting tired of answering questions, so then you start clicking anything. I have to really watch myself from doing that. I'll just start clicking anything to get through. Come on, I gotta get to the end of this thing, man. Just answer whatever you say, whatever I'll do it. I'll just say it, you know? But you can't, you know, you gotta be present because your honesty is, is what's going to yield the most quality result that you're looking for. You wanna really get to the bottom of your personality. And oh, also, by the way, when you're taking the test, Take breaks. Take five-minute breaks when you get tired. There's a tip. So you, you get to the end, you get this result. It generates these archetypes that describe your personality. So for me, it spit out three archetypes. You know what an archetype is? 
It's a, it's a lovely word. I like saying archetype. I, I even like the way the word looks, archetype. It's, uh, it's, it's an example of a, of a person or a thing. So all of a sudden, I get a list of archetypes to describe my persona. So it was entertainer, adventurer, inventor. And it, it has a whole breakdown of each one. It really helped me to understand a lot of my quirks a lot more. The way I am, things that I consider to be annoying or egotistical or needlessly provocative. I, I, the, the way that sometimes I feel this urge to show off when I'm in front of people and I have to tame this thing. And I, then I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll kind of uh, judge myself and beat up on myself. Like, why are you like that? It's so unbecoming. Well, it turns out that my dominant archetype is that of an entertainer or somebody that uh, gets bored with monotony and somebody that has to uh, constantly shift their perspective. And I, this is, it made a lot of sense and it made me feel better about myself, actually. So I would highly recommend this. I'll, I'll, leave, it, I'll leave a link in the description below, except there is no description below. <laughs> But I will tell you, the website is called Principles U, one word. Principles, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E-S-Y-O-U.com. Take the time and log in because it will save your test. You don't want to be spending 20, 30 minutes doing this thing. And if you don't have it saved, you'll come back and try to read your uh, description and it'll be gone. So, highly recommend it. Very, very interesting. I'm the entertainer. What does that mean? It means I'm annoying. On that note, we're going to go into the first song. This is a lovely, lovely song I picked up along the way. You know, this podcast, sometimes it takes a while to do because I, I need to find music that I feel completely um, in love with. I want to share things that are, that are riveting, that are compelling. <laughs> And speaking of that, I think this is an appropriate song to establish a tone of mystic intensity, deep introspection. As we wander the hallowed halls of the Emerald Lane, I'm your host, Sonny Coates, in episode 31. See you on the other side. Say you wonder why.
When the cookie jar is empty, baby gets so glum. When the cookie jar is empty, baby sucks her thumb. Baby breaks her dishes. relaxing and vibed out as that song <laughs> that's michael franks 
I remember I discovered Michael Franks while I was staying in a hotel in Kyoto, Japan. It's a, it's a thing you should know about me. I like staying in hotels for long periods. I feel a bit like、um, one of the artists, you know, back in like the beatnik days. You had artists that lived in hotels, you know, like someone like Charles Bukowski. I don't know. I think it's just strange and novel. Where where do you stay? I'm living in a hotel right now. How long have you been there? I've been there for about six months. <laughs> ah, I've always wanted to do that. So cool. I can still see the picture in my mind. I'm sitting in my hotel bed. It's like a king size bed. I'm in a bathrobe, probably fresh out of a hot shower. It's the afternoon. It was the afternoon. I had some American radio station playing, I believe, and I'm sitting there. And the visual outside the window, a big grand window, and outside is the Kyoto cityscape, so different from anything I know. And here you are, a stranger in a strange land. You don't speak the language. You're in a bathrobe, and it's it's just moments like that that are that are so surreal and alluring. It's just such a delicious moment of heightened adventure. <laughs> anyway, I remember Michael Franks came on the radio, and I was、uh, captivated by the the mellow sound. I mean, his voice. You hear how soft he's singing. I don't understand why everyone's singing so hard <laughs> these days. Is there no place anymore for people who sing softly? I mean, in the '70s, there were so many groups that. I mean, remember?、Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of James Taylor. I mean, Michael Franks. It's the equivalent of somebody, you know, putting their hand on your shoulder, you know, telling you everything's going to be okay. Is, these are the the music that we seek out in the storm. storm, storm, storm. I swear to God, I was in an Uber the other day, and some kid on the radio was just screaming so aggressively. I know this is total old man complaining, but I'm sitting there, some kid shouting, and his voice was just perfect, auto-tuned. It's, it's like a needle to your brain. Where where are the imperfections? Where is the vulnerability? I mean, just you just have this young shithead screaming at you. And what's worse is that I don't know what it is here. I basically exclusively I take Ubers everywhere I go. You know, on long distances, you get in these cars. It's like a sixty-five-year-old guy, barely. I mean, you're looking at him. You're like, "You got this, my man." You look like you're not really, you're not totally checked in. And of course, he's playing the most aggressive, hypersexual trap music. And you're just thinking to yourself, "Are you? Aren't you tortured by this right now? Surely you hate this." I hate it, and I'm half your age, and, and you just you're trying to understand. I guess the thinking is my customer is going to be most likely a tourist, a, a cosmopolitan city slicker, and what they want to hear is today's latest pop music. You couldn't be further from the truth. You couldn't have missed the mark more if you tried, my man. Please. I mean, it's now to the point where before the Uber comes, I type in "no hip hop, no pop." I don't want to hear it. 
You think I want to sit in your Uber and be tortured by this music? You're not even enjoying it. <laughs> but I digress. The soft, luscious sound of Michael Franks. It's warm, it's round. You know, I like music like this because it helps me relax sometimes. You know, this is a very anxiety-inducing culture. Not only that, it's a, it's a moment in my life. There's a lot of anxiety. You know, I'm buying a property in a foreign country. My, my life has changed in so many ways. You, you, you wouldn't believe it, but anxiety. That's something I've always had to deal with since I was, I don't know, maybe... What was the first panic attack I had when I was 18 working at Starbucks? When we would get a rush at 5 p.m., I'd come into the, to the workplace when we get a rush. And I started having panic attacks. I didn't know what they were. Every now and then I'd have these bouts of, of, of anxiety. It's, uh, I don't know, I'm a little embarrassed to talk about it, even though I think uh, it's officially... Uh, a, uh, a major part of the culture at this point. I think a lot of people deal with this. And I'm, I'm actually fortunate, or the way I choose to look at it is um, in all the years that in the moments when I've had to deal with anxiety, and, and, and to me, I look, at it as a, I look at it as a challenge. I mean, you have no choice. You have to... <laughs> You have to be very uh, constructive when adversity comes into your life. I recommend always look at things as a means to grow. In other words, always look at a negative happenstance, adversity, as raw fuel that you can transmute into becoming a stronger person, a deeper man or woman. That's how I've always looked at things. I think I was, I think I had no choice because I think at the time I didn't have any money and I was just like, what do I do? I had to start consulting all of the, um, the gurus and the spiritual books, the new age mysticism and different ways of how I could learn to bring myself back into alignment and to be more present. And the pandemic has certainly been trying in that aspect, you know, a lot more. I've been locked up alone for long periods. And sometimes when you're alone, you have nothing to do but to focus on yourself, to turn inward. The mind can turn in on itself. I'm sure a lot of you have uh, dealt with that in some way, shape, or form. And I admire you. If you've never dealt with anxiety, you're very lucky. And I wish I were you. But to all of those people who have dealt with, uh, that's, to me, it's just coming out of balance. It's, a, it's a, an, an, an emotional imbalance. You know what? It's funny. You know, I've always gone to acupuncturists. I don't know. Have you ever gotten acupuncture? I think a lot of my friends haven't. A lot of us in the West. I know the way I viewed acupuncture, it was some pseudoscience or maybe some kind of a torturous Asian medicine. I didn't want any parts of it. Although I do remember, you know, I've said this before. There's a YouTube clip that I did some time ago 
that uh, your future is foreshadowed in your childhood, symbolically. I highly recommend you uh, check out that clip. It's very interesting theory. Uh, when I was in elementary school, on my way to school, I'd always pass by a Korean acupuncture studio, hospital, clinic. I don't, what is it? And I remember you'd see there was a, there was a like a little ginseng root that was on the sign. I'd walk by, <laughs> and I'd always wonder what uh, what is going on there? Acupuncture? What, what are they doing? I was a very small child, fascinated. What's what goes on in there? A foreshadowing into the future when I would, in my darker moments, in my more, uh, when I was enduring the, the steeper, harsher tribulations in my life, I would consult acupuncturists in New York and Los Angeles. And now, I very luckily found an acupuncture practitioner here in Portugal that I've been going to for the last couple of weeks. It's helped me tremendously. I'm actually... Uh, studying Tai Chi under this woman. She's a 55-year-old Tai Chi master, an acupuncture master. She was telling me, I didn't know this, and it makes perfect sense, that the way the Chinese view the human body, the whole, it's quite different from Western medicine. A human being is treated on mental, physical, and emotional levels. Anxiety is what they call an emotional imbalance. Emotions, thoughts, mind. Very interesting. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was, I was a little bit uh, shy, or I guess uh, I didn't want to admit to having had a little bit of anxiety for the first couple of times that I, that I went to her office. You know, it's, it's a shame in our culture, especially with people of color. Anxiety is not something that we talk about in, in communities of color, that's for sure. I never heard anybody talk about this. And for someone to admit that they have anxiety, and, and also as a man, the culture of uh, masculinity, it's, it's very, it's something that I think most men would not want to cop to because it would, it would make you seem weak out of control of, of your situation. You have anxiety? Are you a homo? I remember last year in the NBA, remember how all of the teams were playing in the bubble? Several NBA players came out and they didn't call it by name. They said that they were dealing with mental health issues, having to go back to the hotel room by themselves and, and without their families. I think one player actually mentioned that he had anxiety, and I, I was very touched. I'll always um, have a soft place in my heart for, the guy's name was Paul George, and he said that he was having anxiety, and it was affecting his play, he was locked away, alone, and I thought that was, that was very, a very vulnerable thing as a black athlete who's supposed to be the alpha male specimen of, of manhood in American culture. It was, a, it was a very vulnerable thing to admit to. And I could, I could tell when he admitted to it that there was a, a hush in the crowd. 
a lot of black people, black men, they didn't want to say it. They didn't want to admit themselves, but they felt, wow, he's had anxiety. I have anxiety as well. And um, that's a shame because we keep these things hidden behind closed doors and we never, uh, we never get help. I guess people are talking about it more. I'm thankful for that, what they call mental health issues. But I finally, I'm in her office and I finally admit it to her. I said, yeah, you know, having anxiety. <laughs> Under my breath, I said. She told me about the Chinese perspective of anxiety. She gave me some needles. It was very, very strange treatment. She turned me on my stomach. I had my shirt off. And she employed a bloodletting device. And it, it didn't hurt. It was very tiny pinprick, pinpricks. And I could feel her squeezing. And I, could, I guess she was drawing small drops of blood. I don't know what she did, but after we had done, I felt, I felt as if I smoked a J. I was very relaxed. It helped out tremendously. There, there are, this life, there's more than meets the eye. There are so many paths that we don't walk down because uh, culturally it's unacceptable or it's unknown, it's mysterious. But I say all this to tell you, um, I, I will give you this prediction. I think trending into the future, I know many things will be true. The uh, civilization will be run more on uh, renewable energy. Electric transport will, will be prevalent. AI will be running the government, that's for sure, and, and many kinds of organizations that you can't imagine this possibility right now. But also, I think um, mental disorders, uh, things like anxiety, um, depression, I think they will proliferate. They'll increase because of the digital way we live our lives. Disconnected from our bodies, we spend time staring at screens or being basically just more in our heads, constantly being distracted by messages, constantly having to, to be sucked out of the moment by, by apps on apps on apps. Yes, yes, I accept your fucking cookie. When will they stop? Yes, we accept all of their cookies. I mean, this thing has been going on for like two years. Every time I click on a website, I have to, I'm confronted with a pop-up, do you accept the cookie? What do you fucking think? If I don't accept the cookie, I can't use your site. So yes, I accept the cookie. This is an attack on, on the human race. I mean, surely there will be a bill passed telling these people, relax, we accept the cookies. Or let there just be a preference on your phone. I accept all cookies. Don't ask me again. As I was saying, there'll be many technological advances. There, there'll be so, uh, so much more abundance. There'll be great advantages to technology. But there's always a downside. There's a yin and a yang. You know, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a YouTube about anxiety and what I've learned from it. Different techniques that I've developed. Maybe I can help some, some more in, in a YouTube clip. Uh, but these things are gonna trend upward and we should start learning how to, uh, first of all, admit to these things as men, as people of color. And secondly, learn how to navigate 
being thrown out of balance by an ever-increasing tempo of speed in a culture, a digital culture. Listen, like I said, and I've said this a thousand times, because uh, I've gone through uh, many trials, uh, acute suffering, strange, unbeknownst, mysterious, uh, <laughs> mysterious dark times. I've seen my fair share of uh, tumult. It's very useful in this life, on this long path that's in front of you, to cultivate an attitude of using adversity as the raw material that you'll burn. Use them as fuel for your fire as you grow into a fully integrated human being. You, you use these things as stair steps. What are the alternatives? The alternatives are just to crumble into a, a ball on the floor or to become prey to the pharmaceutical industry, an alcoholic, a junkie. I have so much more compassion for people that you see on the street because it is difficult, this life path. I mean, you incarnated here on this earth plane. It's very peculiar place full of uh, magic and sorrow and madness and, and beauty. You're here to experience uh, the, the whole wide spectrum of what this earth dimension offers. But you also, I suspect, are here to work, not just to sleep and eat, not just to become enmeshed in the capitalistic rat race. So if we're here, we might as well be prepared for adversity and to fill our bag with tools and formulas that we can wield to ward off the darkness and to overcome, to transcend. That's all I'm saying. I'm here, your fellow journeyman, struggling, <laughs> struggling, uh, right next to you as we uh, are hiking up this very steep incline. So on that note, I'm going to go into the next song Emerald Lane, episode number 31. I'm your friend. Don't judge me. Sunny so Coats. And I'll see you on the other side.
staring at me, staring a hole into the back of my head are four cats waiting on the back porch for me to feed them. I befriended four stray cats that linger on the periphery of the premises. I fed one. Uh, I, call her, her name, I call her Imani, which is Swahili for faith. And she's a sweet, she's just such a sweet disposition. I fed her a couple times. I, she told her friends, next thing I know, I'm, I'm I got four cats that I'm feeding every day. I'm buying 
I have, you know, industrial size cat food bags here in, the, in my hotel room. And I'm now responsible for these cats. I'm like tripping out. Like I'm thinking of taking a, uh, a weekend trip to Lisbon. And now I'm like, I can't go. I can't go to Lisbon because I have these cats. And, what, and who's going to feed them? So I've already been boxed into this, this unwitting relationship of caring for four stray cats. A strange man staying in a hotel in the north of Portugal. Uh, I, actually, I even thought for a brief moment this week that I was going to have to fly to New York to go to Wells Fargo Bank. <laughs> I'm, I have to uh, put a deposit down on this house that I'm buying here. Really interesting. It's, it's on the top floor of a renovated office building. It has a beautiful view. It's kind of like my uh, going to be my little cosmic space cadet bunker uh, overlooking the city. And... Um, yeah, I had to I had to wire a certain amount. And I found that Wells Fargo had a it's all, it's only a $30,000 per month wire limit. And it's something that you can alter, but you can only alter it. You can only upgrade the the wire amount in person in the branch like someone from the 20th century, like 1964. Uh, getting my suit on and walking into a branch, sitting across from a person at a desk, asking them, please. So literally, I would have had to fly from Porto down to Lisbon, fly from Lisbon to Newark, which is a five-hour trip across the ocean, take a cab to my hotel, I guess, crash, wake up early in the morning, uh, walk on, walk down to Broadway to, to Wells Fargo branch, sit in front of a person and ask them to make a wire transfer. 15 minutes later, leave and go get back on a plane and fly back to Portugal for meetings with architects and lawyers. Come on, Can you imagine? I almost had to do this. I was faced with this very real prospect of having to fly to New York to do a 15 minute transaction in person. And I was like, whoa, this is dark. And I was, I, I was having to kind of like, go through all the steps of acceptance and, and just be like, hey, you're going to have to go on this odyssey. You're going to have to take COVID tests, get on planes, you know, for this very short uh, superficial transaction and then immediately have to turn around and get on a plane to make, to come back here. I mean, it would have been an insane adventure. And my point is, when I was also thinking about having to make this trip, I was thinking, what am I going to do about these cats? I'm going to be gone for it. two days, three days. Who's going to feed them? I was really freaking out about this. I think I had a nightmare about it. Who's going to feed these cats? I got four cats. Jean-Philippe, Imani, like I told you before, Danny, D-N-I, and Floyd. Big Floyd. I'm, I'm looking out the window. It's 8.21, Portuguese, Western European time. I don't know what it's called. The sun is still shining bright. I'm thinking about going to, going to have a walk. And I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave this here and go outside and have an evening constitutional kind of air, air my mind out and, and, and stare into the setting sun. So I'm going to leave this here, you guys. When I, th when I think back of all of the personal information 
that I divulged. I hope this is not a depressing, melancholy episode. Quite the opposite. My mother listens to this podcast. Mom, please don't worry. I'm just trying to tell people the most trying times of our lives, the periods of most acute suffering, usually, if used constructively, if transmuted, are our defining moments in life. They challenge us to grow. They push us in new directions. It's very creative, actually. It's one of the more persistent and annoying features of the simulated reality, honestly. And you are in a simulated reality. May I remind you, you are not in your city or your country or the planet Earth, even. You are somewhere deep within the mind of the all in all and unfathomable mystery. Remember that when you go outside today or when you look around right now, things are not what they seem. Anyway, on that note, everybody, I'd like to tell you that... Uh, End of line.